Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. You can find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com and as well on YouTube. Uh, you can go find our YouTube channel, look up Path to Zion podcast, and uh, it will come up. We've got some um, video teachings, some commentary that are somewhat new on there, about a week old, I guess, um, 10 days, and uh, more in process, so stay tuned for more information on that. Um, you can always sign up for email news, not newsletter, it's an update, lets you know when the podcast is updated. Download the Podbean app at podbean.com. Um, man, a million. there's no excuse to not easily be able to just listen to anything on this program should you want to do so. Listen, we're having a lot of good feedback lately about um, recent episodes, things we've been talking about here um, that are a little bit more, I would say, culturally relevant than normal. We've just been doing some commentary, a little bit of just examining the, the posture and the condition of the church of the hour and, you know, pushing some hard questions into the limelight to examine Christian majorities thinking and the evangelical Christian American mindset. Man, I'm telling you, it's got to be challenged. It has to be questioned. She, in many ways, feels she is elite and above correction and above questioning. And I'm just saying, it's just, a, I believe it's a warning to her um, when we read scripture, when we understand properly the functions of the here and now and and the not yet and how we merge all those things together and be found as a kingdom people, a kingdom people of, of a of a on earth as it is in heaven reality that that walks in continuous understanding that the governments of men are corrupt. The ways of mankind and the worldly kingdoms therein are all corrupt, all of them. The governments of men are so flawed and, and full of issues, yet the church seems surprised at this reality and in many ways does not feel that she herself is deceived in any way. In fact, she knows the truth. She knows what is and what is not, and she is here to strongly stand up and defiantly say, you will not tell us what to do. We tell you because we know God. And I'm just saying, this is a dangerous belief system. It, it, is, it plays out in such arrogance and pride and boasting. And as I've been talking about, like it's a continual warning that I just do not hear. I don't hear it from the church. I don't hear it from within. I hear it from without. The secular culture, secular media, um, non-believers, ex-believers, they see it clearly and they call it out as it is. They say, look, church, you're not keeping the commands of Yeshua Messiah, Jesus. You're not talking like him, walking like him. You're not, you're not walking in the governmental authority of, a, of an unseen kingdom. You sound natural. You sound carnal. You sound fleshly. They see it, yet the church herself, for the most part, remains quiet. And I'm telling you, a quick poke around this morning, all I saw, and I'm going to continue to talk about this in the increment that I feel like the Lord will allow me to do, tempered and in control. The, the craziness 
of the prophetic words coming out of the majority church continues to blow my mind when people who, for this entire calendar year, prophesied about all their dreams and visions and literally angels came to their home and told them Donald Trump will win the presidential election by a landslide that God is showing favor upon this chosen man of God and nothing can assault him. Nothing can take all the all the plans as we've talked about here with re- great regularity recently. All of the plans of the enemy that have again stopped every activity on the earth to assault this man, they will not prevail. They won't be accomplished. And again, most of the prophetic words said it will not even be close. It won't even be close. It's going to be a God is going to execute absolute righteousness and judgment and justice, and God's man's going to prevail, and there won't even be a question. And so here we are now, and I'm just saying, like, why in the world are these prophets now still getting words from the Lord, tweaks, because their their other ones did not come to pass? Except now they're still on these programs, they're still being interviewed, they're still being asked, and they'll still be talking and they'll stop and they'll say, wait, I hear the Lord saying. I mean, really, where is the church calling these men out and saying, why do we believe these men? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they speak a favorable, ear-tickling word. And I'm just saying to the church, if anyone within the walls of the church, the capital C church, the body, within the skin of the body of Messiah, I'm begging you, will you please come out from underneath this crazy shade that this dark veil has gone over the eyes and the ears of the wide-way majority who think they're the minority and talk as if nobody believes like them except for this, you know, millions and millions and millions of evangelical Christians. And I'm saying, would you please step out from underneath that and stop all of this craziness to stand up and demand justice because there's evil on one party's side of this nation's government. Friends, it is vile. It is corrupt. It is, it is disastrous on both sides, top to bottom. It is corrupt. Why? It's a governmental kingdom of men. It is a natural kingdom driven by natural desires, cravings, purposes, and agendas. All right, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop there because I feel, okay, I feel the Lord telling me, you know, Joel, chill. Let's get to the text, okay? Now, this is is intimately acquainted with what I'm talking about, which is why I feel compelled to talk about it today. Um, This morning, I was in the book of Job, and I was reading in Job, and and I'm just reading through the, the three friends of Job who are dialoguing with him, and and they will say something, and then Job will respond, and they will respond to him and say something, and Job will respond to them, or then just go on to explain something from his own position, his own heart. And we know the account of Job, that that Job was a righteous man. Job was pleasing in the sight of the Lord, and there's there's kind of two sides we can always fall on um, towards the account of Job's life, which is he was righteous. He was deemed good enough, if you will, to be tested and tried to a way that, man, few men probably have been. 
His life was, we were, we were told clearly in the book of Job that he was a righteous man that was, man, he had it all. He had family, wealth, possessions, success. He was a man who was revered, honored, all these things. And we know, we know what happened. And all these things came crashing down because, why? The great adversary desired to sift him, have him, try him. Yahweh God and his eternal sovereignty said, hey, go for it. Here's my here's my servant Job, you know, do you, if you desire to do so, here he is. And we know what happened. And and Job of course is a very heavy book. It's a very heavy dialogue of what's taking place with these with these friends of his. But what struck me was when I got to Job chapter 37 and then I started just going back and going back further and re- rereading what I had just read from a little different context. And I felt like to me that there is some things within this text that we can learn, that we can learn right here in November 2020, especially right here in the United States. And again, I'm speaking to Christian Americans. I know that's most of who listens to this program. We might start losing more and more people. That's okay. We have to speak what, what is true. We have to speak what we're hearing the Lord say at any cost, including personal, right? We have to fulfill our function and reason for, for where we are in our journey and what our role is to do with whatever God shows us and whatever increment he gives us a green light to move outside of just our own individual understanding in our households. We have to know what to do with that to rightly appropriate it with wisdom, with restraint, with control. And so there's all this debate. I'm, I don't, man, we're going to have to just barely touch on this because I just don't have time. Plus, I just didn't make outlines and all this. This would be something awesome to just spend days and days. But as it is right now, I know I won't do that. So we're going to give it the attention that we do have time to. And uh, see what the Lord might speak to any one of us who are who are postured to listen. And I'm just going to say there is a whole lot of the church who does not want to listen to anything right now. If it's an altering, excuse me, a differing opinion, oh no, an alternative position, view, vantage point, man, right now, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, that news program, they're not saying what I believe anymore. Hey, turn it off, boycott it. Hey, they're limiting what we can say. Close it down. Go somewhere else. It's the it's the Christian American way. When someone disagrees with you, cut them off. Cut them off. They're bad. They're not good for you. They're evil. They're opposing the word of the Lord. Why? Well, because they disagree with me. <laughs> Isn't this ridiculous juvenile thinking? If they disagree with your own principles, beliefs, doctrines, hey, cut them off. And then you read a Bible verse that talks about something that kind of contributes to that mindset, and it's been so detrimental to the church. And guess what? Here we are again. Division. Division, division, division. The church seems to be really blind to the fact that the main attempt of the enemy is flourishing in this nation. It's flourishing on the earth, but man, it is ramped up like never before right here in the not-so-United States of America. Division, division, division. If you don't believe like me, hey, get lost. And I'm telling you, until this changes, we're going to continue to say what I say. I'm going to push out here on the middle of the table. 
as a consideration. I've been praying, like asking the Lord, like I need to know if you'll allow me to know, is this part of the great falling away? Is this part? Because man, people from my vantage point, in my opinion now, according to what I believe scripture says, man, this is a wide way, God. We're talking millions of people uniting for a natural endeavor to establish national agendas and justices. Man, they're all arm in arm. And I'm told of a narrow, narrow, narrow way, a a very tiny remnant reality. And man, this is real broad. This stroke is covering half of the nation. Literally millions and millions and millions of Christians. Oh boy, my radar is up to say the least. So this in Job... All this stuff's going on, right? And there's there's a lot of layers to this, of course. I don't claim to know them all. Uh, my wife and I talked about several of them this morning, and uh, we talked about it during our whiteboard teaching with our family here. And so you have all this different back and forth with Job and his, quote, friends, his three friends. And, uh, you know, basically they say one thing, and he recounts things he's done, things he's been, um, and... Basically, they set the table to just say that, well, it's it's kind of like ecclesiastical. <laughs> Everything's a wash, man. Who cares? Whatever. Um, I thought you were righteous. You're not righteous. If you were, these things wouldn't have happened. If you were who you say you are, then this shouldn't have happened because God is righteous, holy, perfect. He doesn't bring anything, quote, bad to, quote, good people. And so they go back and forth and they have all this stuff. And where I got stuck, and they're just like, Oh my gosh, this, to me now, to me personally, this really, really, really resonated. And so I'm going to pick up in Job chapter 34, where this guy named um, Elihu, Elihu shows up, okay? Um, I want to make sure I get him. No, he's in 30, he's in 32, Elihu, Elihu, I want to make sure I get his name right. Okay, he shows up in Job chapter 32. And we're just going to move through this quickly. We're going to be able to only hit uh, high points. Then these three men ceased answering Job, the three friends and all the dialogue that's been leading up to this, because he was righteous in his own eyes. He, Job, they would say something. Look, man, you can't be righteous because God doesn't do this to, to righteous men. You've got to have a hole. You've got to have a flaw. There's something wrong with you that you don't realize because God will not do these things to someone righteous. So they never, he says, and then what's he do? Like this says right here, he was righteous in his own eyes. He keeps defending himself saying, look, man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I know what causes these things. I didn't do these things. I'm clean. I'm righteous. 32 verse two, but the anger of Elihu, and it doesn't matter who he is in this, it matters, but not for the text we're talking about today. But against Job and against these other guys, um, his anger burned. Because, why? Because Job kept justifying himself before God, and his, Elihu's, anger burned against the three friends because they had found no answer and yet continually condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were years older than he. Okay, so I like I want to make a note of that because I, this is worth talking about in 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 brief. This Elihu guy, he got order. He got authority. He understood 
look, man, I know what the word of the Lord is. I know what's, I, for whatever reason, I got clarity on this, but you know what? Y'all just keep, y'all keep talking. Just keep talking. Go back and forth. And I'm telling you, like, I just have to say, this is how I feel a lot of times for me in my life. Look, when y'all are done, just let me know. When you're done bickering, when you're done with your banter, when you're done just with the back and forth and the endless getting nowhere-ness, I'm going to raise my hand and say, can I say something, please? Can I speak? But he knows his place. His anger burned, man. He's like, he's fired up. He's ready to unload what he does. He's ready to get at it, right? But it says he waited to speak. Why? He said he recognized you guys, you men are years older than I am. In verse five, when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouths of the three men, his anger burned. But he's waiting. He's waiting for his time. He's waiting for the opportunity in order, in respect and honor of these men to speak. In verse six, um, so Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzite, I guess, he spoke out and he said, I'm young in years, y'all are old. Therefore, I was shy and I was afraid to tell you what I think. I thought age should speak. I thought increased years, years should teach wisdom. But it is a spirit in man. And the breath of the Almighty gives them understanding. The abundant in years may not be wise. Nor may elders understand justice. So I say, listen to me. I too will tell you what I think. I love this. I love, love, love this little exchange right here. Elihu, in his place, is listening to these four men dialogue and go back and forth about their great understanding towards how Yahweh God works. He's burning with anger, but he knows his place. He waits for his turn. And in verse 10, he says, hey, listen up. Now it's my turn. I've waited in patience, and now I'm telling you, hey, guess what? This is what I think. This is what I think right here. This is what I see. I waited for your words. I listened to your reasonings. While you pondered what to say, I even paid close attention to you. Indeed, there was no one who refuted Job, not one of you who answered his words. Do not say we've found wisdom. God will rout him, not man. He has not arranged his words against me, nor will I reply to him with your arguments. They're dismayed. They answer no more. Words have failed them. And he goes on and on to explain in different ways what he is understanding. Okay? Um, and he goes on. He, he, he speaks for the Lord. All this stuff we literally do not have time. He basically talks about God's justice. He talks about Yahweh's ways. And he, he basically sets the table to say, in, in paraphrased Ness, man, God is sovereign. God does whatever he wants to whomever he wants to do it. Done deal. Whatever he wants to do, he will do. And we say one thing, yes and amen. So be the way and the word of the Lord, period. I don't care about anything else. I don't care what this costs me. I don't care if it makes sense to me. I don't care if I feel like I should receive attention, vindication, relief, or response. You know what? I'm in my place. I am submitted to the Most High. He himself is sovereignly perfect in all of his ways, period. Period. He goes on to verse 35. He gets real rough with Job. We can't read all of it. Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? 
For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have more than if I had sinned? He's going, he's throwing all these things back at Job saying, man, who do you think you are? You literally think you're above God doing anything to your detriment. Do you not get it? And then, of course, he's he's chiding the, the three friends who are saying, no, you had to have done something wrong. But Elihu keeps making the point clear. You all are not getting this. You're not getting this. You're not seeing the main thing, the main issue at hand. The main issue at hand is God is sovereign. He does what he wills. I don't care if you like it, if you like it, if you like it, if you like it, or if I like it. He does whatever he wants in whatever way he desires, and I don't much care about anything else. And I'm telling you, church of 2020, will you please listen to the latter texts within Job and listen up? There is something to say about absolute first and foremost being a people who are on our faces, on our knees, not demanding God's justice, not demanding his wrath, not de- not demanding he exposes the darkness on the on the enemies of my life and the the Republican agenda. Friends, seriously, we've got to shake off this stupor and slumber that has overtaken the church and step back and say, wait a minute. Yahweh, you are righteous. You are holy. You are perfect. You are sovereign. And more than just this flippant, God's in control. We have to remember, brothers. You know, I hear these like just ridiculous first grade-esque reminders. God still sits on the throne, people. We have to remember, even though bad, bad, naughty things are happening that we don't like and that we know are wrong by the evil people, God's still good. Amen. Amen. I mean, seriously, we're not talking about that. We're talking about like on our faces with our hands lifted high, crying out, Yahweh, you are right. I will not be shaken. That's what we talked about in that two-part series a few days back about how in the world do we live according to the Bible to be in an unshakable kingdom. How in the world, I'm asking this question, I'll ask you and anyone else, where in the world is the, where are the unshakable kingdom people? Where are they? They were shaken by the coronavirus in masses, and now whoever wasn't shaken then, oh boy, they're shaken now, making it crystal clear, we will not stand for this. And all of a sudden, the the jargon becomes that we are God's defenders. We need to stand up and make sure the world knows what God wants because they just don't care because they're bad. And we know God's righteous, holy ways because we, we are his people. And again, here we are with what I say time and time and time and time again. For years and years of my life, the Christian church is postured to be elite. She thinks she's the bomb, man. She's it. We know, and look, if you don't agree, get out of the way. You won't silence us. You won't stop us. Listen, friends, if we are really God's people, can we be silenced? Can we be removed? I mean, if we're really God's people, if we're really in any way at all, which this I ask questions every day now, I don't know. God, are there any true prophets? Are there any true prophets on the earth that don't want to tickle the ears of the majority masses 
And you can say, well, they're on that program over there, man. They've only got, what is it? Uh, oh, wait, dang. It's got 4 million views and, and 2 million likes. And, oh, man, it's got 3 million people saying, I had that same dream last night, too. Oh, my gosh. It's broad. It's wide. And I'm telling you, again, I'm putting this question out before the Lord, and I'll put it into your head as well. Are we starting to see the great falling away? Are we starting to see the great falling away? And man, I'm telling you, I'm like, oh no, not them. Not her. Not her. No way. Not him. No, not him too. Oh God, no, please open our eyes. Open my eyes. God, please don't let it be me. Please, Father, give me the stirring of your Holy Spirit and give me the the unction to, to devour your Holy Word and to know what's true and to know what's right, and to know what you're saying, what you're doing every minute of every hour of every day, because God, I too will fall away. I too will look left. I will look right. I will be swayed. I will be moved about, tossed to and fro, and I too will be led astray, deceived. Friends, I'm telling you, the ones crying out deception, 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 I'm afraid they're being deceived. Friends, is, is it you? Is it possible that you are being deceived? Why? Because you're just, you're falling for the bait, the tickling of the ears, the appealing message that says, hey, things need to go better for you. You need a better economy. You need a leader who's just like you. You need this, you need that. And man, if we're not careful, all of a sudden we're taking scriptures and and sticking it over our own agendas, our own personal opinions. But this Elihu, man, he comes in, he calls them all out. He speaks the word of the Lord. For time's sake, we've got to get to Job chapter 37, verse 24. All right, we've got to just, man, we've got to move. Sadly, I've got an appointment I've got to run out and get to. I wish I didn't. Oh, man. So so this, this, this um, verse right here ends the almost the chapter or well the chapter and the book of job this is almost the culmination of the account of job and as we know elihu has the closing remarks if you will (laughs) i imagine that god saved his true prophet and spokesman for the very end praise the father he had restraint to wait i need to learn that myself but in job chapter 37 the the ending of all the opinions of job's friends you got the other three, and then you've got Elihu, and he says in verse 24, well, we got to read 23, the Almighty Yahweh God, we cannot find him. He's exalted in power. He will not do violence to justice and abundant righteousness. Therefore, on account of this, people fear Yahweh. He does not regard any who are wise of heart. Now, this wise of heart is anyone who considers themselves to be wise. And friends, I'm just going to give you a clear warning and we're going to bring this to a close. Are you wise in your own eyes? Christian American church, oh my gosh, please. Every time I turn this on right now in this short season, I'm pleading. Are you wise in your own eyes? Are you haughty? Is there pride in you? Is there arrogance in you in any way? Not, well, no, somebody's got, no. Put all that emotion aside. Put it all in its place. 
Yahweh will not regard any who are wise of heart, wise in their own eyes. We know he opposes the proud. He is vehemently against the proud. And interestingly, in this this ending of Job, you've only got, what, a couple more chapters after this and it's over? Well, three, four, because Job goes on to confess. But after this this testimony, if you will, this, this challenge by Elihu, God speaks to Job. He reveals his his strength, his power. He says, hey man, well he doesn't say that. Job, this is is what's true. Yahweh God speaks to his servant Job. And Job basically says in chapter 40, man, who, who am I going to be to contend with the Almighty? And Job resigns. He gives up, man. And I'm telling you, this Christian American, this right agenda that says, make us great, man, we won't do, we won't do, we'll never bow, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never. Oh my gosh. There's got to be a rightful abandon, friend, of your will and your way. There's got to be a rightful surrender. There's got to be a rightful, and see, here's the thing, and this is where I always come back to and we're going to be finished. There is such a propping up of self in the church of this hour. We have to take care of ourselves, or no one will. Well, what in the world do we do with the thousands of accounts of men, God's people, who have no ability to defend themselves, stand up for themselves, do anything at all to preserve their life, yet Yahweh, God's sovereign, delivers them and does what? He, by their surrendering their will, their ways, and often their very lives, he is declared Elohim of Elohims by who? His enemies. This is God. Their God is the Elohim of Elohims. Why? They love not their life unto death. They didn't need to stand up and make sure you know what God said. I'm telling you, if the church of this hour does not get this, the falling away is coming. If it's not already starting, man, I'm telling you, there's going to be people who are the elite of the elite in your life and in mine, and it may be us if we're not careful, they're going to fall. They're going to fall by emotion, by deception, by all the kingdoms of men now, worldly kingdoms, that they are just too involved in to let go of the kingdoms not of this earth. The kingdom not of this earth. So we see this man, Elihu, counseling Job. He's reminding Job of divine providence. Again, all these other guys, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He says, guess what, man? This is beyond your control, Job. And this is way beyond your understanding. He says that word for word in those four chapters. Many Christians are afraid. They're demanding justice. And church, have you forgot that Yahweh God is seated in absolute authority? And guess what? You're not going to know everything. You're not going to understand everything. And guess what? You don't deserve to understand everything. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. And guess what? Just like this account with Job, there's things right now on the earth in your life and in mine that make no sense. 
And you know what? I'm fine with that. Are you? Are you fine with that? Are you at peace right now? Are you at peace with God and men? Are you at shalom with God and men? It's a good question to ask. And if you don't want to answer it, I can already tell you the question's been answered already. I see the church is very, very, very wise of heart right now. Haughty, thinking more of oneself than they ought. Let's be careful today. Let's unplug from just this tireless revealing of the lies. We've got to reveal the lies. <laughs> Men are fascinated, captivated, distracted, and I would say deceived by lies themselves and don't even know it. it grieves my heart. So let's listen to Elihu's counsel today to Job and say, look, man, his ways are sovereign. You don't have to understand his ways to bow your knee in awe of the one true God's execution of his will. We don't have to make his will happen. We don't have to take the reins and make it happen on his behalf. Does that mean we lay down and do nothing? No, I have to explain that to everybody because they just want to throw out the whole, the whole bathtub. Oh, you're saying you just sit down and do nothing and let, let the evil men take over. I'm not saying that, and I don't have time today to explain that yet again, that we're not talking about passivity. We're talking about living an elevated life as spiritual men, not bound by the governments and kingdoms of this world. Read Job today. Read it. Read the whole thing, especially the last half, and get to the culmination of this with Elihu's reasoning of saying God's sovereign. Hey, Job, guess what? There's a whole lot going on, man. More than you. Church of 2020, Evangelical Christian American Republican Patriots, guess what? There's a whole lot more going on right now on the earth than you and than this election. People, we've got to be, we've got to be seated in heavenly places, thinking accordingly, acting accordingly, walking on earth as it is in heaven, under the governmental authority of Yahweh God Elohim who is not moved. You've been listening to the Path to Zion podcast. Find us online 24-7, pathtozion.com. Check us out on YouTube. And uh, as always, send us an email. Podcast at gmail.com is how you do that. Would you drop us a line? Let us know where you are, where you're listening. Hey, we'd like to come visit. You want to come here? Ah, I don't care. Let's do it. Let's meet up in the middle. Let's have some coffee. Let's argue. Let's debate. Let's be men who challenge one another and don't have to just hug and agree. And if we can't, get out of here. Let's endure together. Let's learn long-suffering of the brethren. Shall we do that? What a great idea. In my idea, it's ancient. Let's do it. So have a good day. Be blessed. Put your mind on things above today. Amen.